Hello, and welcome to the Endpoint Management Today podcast. My name is Rhonda Student Kaiser, and I'm the Director of Customer Experience for BigFix. This episode is what we call a rewind the audio only portion of content that was originally created in another form a webinar, conference speech, or product demonstration that we wanted to share with you here. If you would like to see the original content, you can always follow the associated link in the podcast show notes. Today's episode is a customer roundtable. As you know, we love our customers here at Big Fix, and we're really happy when they love us enough to participate in a customer roundtable. Real customers sharing their experiences with Big Fix in the real world. We hope you enjoy this customer roundtable from July 2020. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, Dan Wolf here from the uh, Big Fix product marketing and product management team. Happy to have you all back to uh, for our, our third monthly customer roundtable. Very excited to have a couple of our top customers with us today to talk about their experiences. First of all, uh, Kevin Flynn, a senior engineer for client services at Cornell. He's responsible for um, Big Fix, but some very strong uh, cases about you know replacing SECM in his environment. Uh, remote administration is a key differentiator for Kevin. So uh, gl- glad to have you here for uh, for this today. Also, also, we have uh, Phil Reinhardt from uh, New York University. He's a director of endpoint engineering and personal computing at New York University. So he runs uh, responsible for unified endpoint management, uh, telephony, mobile services, Chrome devices, and collaboration tool set. That's a big job. He's got a, a deployment size of about 5,000 devices growing to over 25,000 in the next three years. Between the two, you know, Phil, you've got 15 years, I believe, with, with Big Fix. And, and Kevin, how, how, many, about, about seven. How, how many years do you have with Big Fix? Uh, Big Fix specifically, only actually about three. I'm a, uh, I'm a little kid comparatively. Okay. <laughs> hey, but uh, by getting better all the time. Right, exactly. So great. So again, th- thanks, thanks a million for for joining us. So we're just going to kind of kind of go around the room. So let's start with start with Phil. Uh, so in your uh, in your usage of of Big Fix and some of the challenges you're seeing, you know, work from home, of course, is a big is a big deal uh, for our our customers. Whether it's simply enabling uh, remote users who are now suddenly working from home, whether it's uh, you know administrators, professors at, at NYU, whatever. Um, so, what are what are some of the challenges that you faced uh, when when COVID came to town for for New York University? Um, so, being a university, we're we're you know naturally we're fairly open with our security standards and things like that. Mm-hmm. But with remote work, one of the things that has become more important is making sure our security posture because everybody's now working remotely, which means. They aren't necessarily working on a work computer, but they might be. Um, but they're essentially, we need a way to keep them more secure, if you will, than when they're at work. And so this is where sort of Big Fix comes in with the compliance measures um, from our perspective, which is able to sort of um, think about, hey, I want to do, for example, CIS level one security policies. And the reason being is, if you will, it's kind of like schools with minimum dress code. What is the minimum dress code we want people have come in to work remotely and what now we don't necessarily have a work machine that we can protect you know we can't protect it in the same way so we have to begin to think about that and so that was one of our bigger challenges is how do we make sure that we keep people keep our computing resources safe that we want to keep safe but also how do we how do we keep people functional um because COVID has certainly become a different sort of thing and 
you know, the other thing is to think about is, you know, what can we do from a self-service perspective? Where can, what can we do to enable users to get what they need to do what they need? Because NYU is a, a global university. And once it became remote work, we have sites in Europe. Actually, we have sites in every continent except for Antarctica, um, which means we now need a global solution where, which means Big Fix can actually serve that need because now we can essentially, we can distribute things to global sites. So, you know, when we're talking about China, which is 15 hours different, we actually have a capability to do something that way. So that that was key for us. So you talk about, um, you know, delivering apps to, uh, to users, what, what kind of apps and how did you, how did you face that challenge? Well, I mean, as no one will be surprised, I think is our number one app that we had to think about was zoom because all of a sudden, you know, everybody for three months, you know, our usage went up by 4,000%, which is a very large number. Um, So we went up and partly because not only were we doing, meetings from a staff perspective, but we integrated this with our learning management system, which now means it's a requirement for everybody to have Zoom on their desktop. Then, as one might have expected um, and has been in the news, is Zoom became one of those things where is the whole security thing, a new version, new requirements, um, all of these sorts of things reared their head. So so as an example, when we started, we were running version 4.6, but they needed to get to version 5.0 because otherwise, you know, Zoom was going to cut you off if you didn't have version 5.0. So we wanted to make sure we had continuity of service for our clients. So, you know, Zoom was a great example of where we basically looked at it and said, okay, we're going to make sure that we get everybody's version 5.0 so that we don't have to essentially have them sitting there going, well, I can't join my meetings anymore because I don't have version 5.0. So from a success story, that's great for us because now it essentially means we all of a sudden are thrown into a virtual te- uh, virtual teleconferencing world, and we're able to support that using BigFix to do that and, ass- and assure a certain level of compliance. And so that's great. You know, Zoom is, is one, might, for a while, they were releasing a new version every, you know, it seemed like every week they were releasing a new version. So we were able to, yeah, well, we were able to keep up with it. But, I mean, you know, keeping up with it was critical because, you know, staff and faculty from from are still critical for us because we're also delivering uh, Zoom with configuration settings, right? We're not just using an out of box configuration. We're actually adding some some syntax to it so that we essentially make it a better user experience for what our clients expect. Yeah, that so makes sense. If you don't mind, I mean, I'll even play off that Zoom thing a little bit. Where we found moving from version to version, some settings changed or some settings became yeah. locked in. So to speak. So you being utilizing the BigFix platform, we were able to deploy settings changes or redeploy the software in such a manner where things were enabled or disabled, uh, depending upon what we wanted, and able to do that quickly because it version 5.0 changed a few things for us. For example, yeah. that yeah. you know that we had automatic that we had already set, and then all of a sudden we were in a we were in a bind, and we were able to get something out very quickly to change our configuration settings. Yeah, and, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and I'll continue even a little bit further with that, which is Zoom has, you know, for remote work, Zoom has become, it is now a business essential tool, yeah. whereas before it was not business essential. Now it's business essential. And most universities are using Zoom. So that's where we are. I mean, I, I would say with other platforms, go to meeting, all those sorts of things. It's no different in that regard. But Zoom, because all of a sudden it became the go to application. Now it's something that 
you know, we don't have a choice. It has to work. So it becomes a utility, if you will. Uh, that makes sense. So, so Kevin, maybe a little bit on the work from home question as well. How's that? Uh, how's that changed your world? Well, so we're in the enviable position of both being healthcare and education. So, you know, back to some of the compliance things that Phil was bringing up. That uh, that's really, you know, Big Fix is something we've been able to very, very much leverage uh, to help control our environment and also, you know, deploy applications because a lot of our users are okay, well, I'm home now, I had a desktop somewhere, we're able to get, you know, we made the installer available, they installed on their home computer, and then we're able to, okay, well, you don't have an antivirus, let's install one, you know, X, Y, and Z, and then we can deploy the RBPN client, you know, and make and make a BYOD scenario accessible for some, for some of our users. So it's been, a, um, it's been an adventure dealing with both worlds <laughs> in this particular case. Yeah, yeah. So the what's been like the, the you know new security challenges that you've had to deal with even you know in the, in the last year say <laughs> uh, I would you know I I want to say some of it is um, actually data security itself you know sometimes it's you know doing little things to machines to disable USB ports and prevent you know transfer to USB drive or printing you know printing documents or something like that because like I said we also have PHI type data that we have to deal with. So we don't want people to be able to, oh, look, here's a spreadsheet of 6,000 social security numbers and, you know, their medical details, whatever else. So, you know, we're dealing with, you know, those HIPAA compliance issues and other PCI, you know, PCI types of data. So, you know, <laughs> putting restrictions and regulating what people can or can't do has been a, uh, has been a benefit for us. Okay. And then as being a you know healthcare provider, you have obviously compliance and probably some audit challenges as well. How, how's that been going? Uh, you know, from an audit standpoint, so we, well, I, we haven't, haven't had to deal too much with the audit standpoint from a uh, regulatory bodies coming at us and saying, provide us this data. I'm sure it's going to happen, but one of the benefits we're seeing is particularly in the uh, inventory space, where, you know, Oracle has come asking us for data before, you know, data and, okay, what's your installs? What's your this? What's your that? Oracle's known for this. IBM is also not known to be one of the uh, top ones in the world. Um, but being able to use the inventory module and provide, okay, here's our install base. Here's this. Here's that. You know, and be able to report in on, you know, 99% of our, you know, computer base um, of what is currently installed at any one time has been, we've been able to take that data and then provide a right right to regulators, auditors, Deloitte, whomever, and provide that to, to them and get almost a, oh, well, you're good <laughs> type of response. So, uh, yeah, well, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's been an ad, advantageous mm -hmm. position for us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, auditing is a, is a huge burden for many, I think. And so if you can tackle that with as few hours per month as possible like that, that's really important. Right. So anyway, yeah. uh, we have a, a, a new guest, our uh, John Brown, IT manager at UPS, uh, United Parcel Service. So thanks for joining us today, uh, John. You're uh, welcome. So, so I'm a, a bit late. I um, had a little uh, technical difficulty. I had to switch laptops. Th th that's okay. You're fashionably late. So just, just like, just like, just like <laughs> so no, no big deal. So um, maybe just describe a little bit about, about your environment uh, and, and your role. 
Yeah, so I'm, I work in a, a group called ESM, Enterprise Systems Management. Uh-huh. And our environment is pretty big. We have uh, just over 260,000 clients. Uh, we're a global outfit. We have uh, two data centers. Um, we have thousands of remote sites, 3,000 plus relays. So we're a very big shop. And I, I manage the group for uh, infrastructure. So we have several tools that manage the endpoints, um, uh, UPS uh, globally. So you've got extra challenges of, I know you have like 480,000 employees worldwide. Is that right? We do. So, so your definition of an endpoint is probably pretty dynamic. Um, is it mobile trucks and warehouses and all kinds of all kinds of places? So, so for the defi- so for clarification, when I say endpoints, I'm talking about um, I'm going to stick with just uh, servers and laptops. All right, we absolutely we have Bluetooth clients. Um, but they're managed by other areas of our business. They're all wireless. Um, we don't manage those through big fix. Thank God. Because <laughs> if we did, we we're talking about millions. Millions of them, you bet. You bet. Okay. Yeah. So um, so question I was asking the other guys here is, is you know, the COVID uh, pandemic hit. How, how did that change your world when that hit? And what did you have to react to? <laughs> Changed our world in a big way. Uh, prior to COVID, we were averaging roughly 14,000 VPN clients connecting, our remote clients. Overnight, you know, we went to, well, it was a ramp up. We got up to around 50,000 VPN clients and presented a challenge. First of all, we had to upgrade our, our, our circuit, right? That's one of the things we had to do to prepare for it, right? The second thing is that we had to change our configurations um, because what we found, what we found, this this configuration always remained this way because we only had a limited amount of end users connected. When we went to the fifty thousand, because we had so many clients connecting, a lot of them in a, they ended up on our big fix core server, and our core our core server at the time wasn't throttled, right? So when we did our monthly patches and pushes. Um, we basically took a lot of the bandwidth that we had allocated to other business applications. So we had to make some adjustments fast. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Have you seen any um, you know, additional security threats with this additional load and additional VPN connections? Is this is some new uh, things you've been worried about and looking at from a security standpoint? I secure, that's that's not my area of um, expertise, but they're constantly looking at. There's always bad actors when it comes to a company the size of UPS, um, and constantly InfoSec is, you know, um, ahead of the game. Fortunately for us, um, but yeah, they're constantly seeing threats and upticks. Okay, so uh, one of the one of the areas that you I think are focused on is I- integration solutions. So care to comment on, on how you're, you're uh, integrating solutions across your environment? Yeah, one of the biggest um, integrating solutions we've had, we developed an application called GSDP, Global okay. Software Deployment okay. Portal. Okay. And what that system does is um, right now we have, a, we have a group that manages the distributions, a separate group than my group. You know, it's a small, limited, limited group. 
you know, comparatively to the to the global world that we manage. Um, so many, many years back, and we put a lot of development into this tool, but it's a, a it's a, a web interface that uh, we used that it uses Big Fix as the engine to pull all the data. But what that tool allows us to do is do all kind of um, deployments right at the edge, I call it, um, almost like an ATM, right? Um, the users could log into this system and they can punch in, okay, what software updates they would like. They could test it right on the fly. They can deploy it to anything they have access um, out at the edge. And that takes away all that pain of doing it from an um, a enterprise solution. And it saves us tons of money. We estimate it conservatively. We save about 500K a year just by having this tool. Um, it's used by roughly 6,000 uh, local technicians on a, uh, daily, on a weekly basis, and we deploy just over 40,000 uh, deployments using that tool weekly. Well, that's fantastic. So that's an example of uh, integration and consolidation leading to greater efficiency, it, it sounds like. So, so, so Phil, I might... Um, ask you about that as well. Um, has there been, you know, budget pressures, look, you know, cause you look at budget, look at, look at tool efficiencies, maybe consolidating vendors. Is that, is that, has there been, been, been yes. pressure in that area for you? To say the least. Yes. <laughs> so I, I think when COVID hit, it changed the dynamic of um, higher ed in that now, not that we didn't have cost pressures before, but now we really have cost pressures. And so, Anything we can do, basically automation, automation, automation. So everything we can do to automate, that's what we're gonna do. And anything we can do to enable self-service, that's what we're gonna do. And so, you know, some of the new functionalities that Tim bringing along, I think that's gonna be, I think that's gonna be huge. So any examples of automation that you're gonna be rolling out? The types of processes you're gonna automate? Well, so as an example, um, so a very common practice was beforehand was, is, you know, we get the machine in, they would drop an image on it and they would use big fix to install the things. Well, now because of COVID we're shipping uh, computers direct to the client. Mm -hmm. And so the idea here is, is that essentially we want them to be able to open the laptop and basically recognize what it needs to do and then just start doing it and installing software. So we had already sort of gotten 80% of the way there but COVID just has forced us more to do that. So now we have a standard load set that essentially the technician does connect to their machine because um, you know until autopilot and DEP are fully online, we have to do it that way, but it's still okay because what happens is they set it up, they click a file and that's it. And then it downloads everything and over time, you know, again, we don't know what the bandwidth is on the client side, but what happens is the client basically gets that standard list of software that they need to have. So much like I think uh, Kevin was talking about, they get Symantec, they get they get Zoom, they get Chrome, they get all the things that we know that they're going to need to be able to have to do their job effectively. We deliver the VPN client, all of that sort of stuff, with all the configurations as well, which is an important point because automation, you know, and John was talking about this sort of way, but to be very specific about it is our our service desk called went through the roof, and so. The more we can do with automation means that that's an avoided call to the service desk. You know, automation, that's a win. 
I increase efficiency, that's a win. So from everything else, that's money in my pocket because essentially now people are working other things. And so although we didn't, you know, maybe I, I'm able to hire one less contractor um, for the service desk because we have to handle the burst load. Yeah. So this is all the sorts of things that you think about and have come to the fore during um, the times of COVID is because now we really, telework is a different calculus. Um, but it does save money. Yeah, well, that's great. So, so Kevin, same question for you. Um, so, you know, budget budget constraints causing you to do uh, some new unnatural acts, maybe. <laughs> yep, <laughs> unnatural. Uh, all forces on the dark side. Um, but, <laughs> so, we've been trying to forward think on how we can leverage big fix and the services. You know, since the day we installed it. So, you know, that's utilizing whether it's you know user groups user groups, AD groups, OUs, things of that nature. And then we're deploying, you know, specific baselines or even uninstalled packages. You know, you you went to a disabled group or you were placed in a certain manner where Big Fix is then going to be the engine that drives the uninstall process or the install for a particular baseline or whatever it might be. So we've been leveraging that for some time. Um, one of the cool things that, you know, uh, I did recently is – I'm sure we've all been there with the, you know, the onesie twosie one-off patches. You know, you need some patch from June of 2000 or 2014 that you just aren't deploying anymore. So, <clears throat> utilizing some things that we did, we actually built, you know, call it a patch catch-up group and a whole site that you know lists or you know does a tabulation of okay, all these computers are missing a patch that's more than three months old, you know, something along those lines. And then through that, using the, you know, using patch policies, we then went through, we're then going through and, you know, all those onesie twosie one-off patches from who knows when, and particularly in the healthcare education sector where we have these LACs or BYOD policies, we're able to then catch up all those computers that are missing an office patch from who knows when or a, Windows patch from, you know, again, it could be 2007, who knows, but, uh, you know, we've been able to leverage that. And I would say when we started just from a computer count that needed just a one off something here or there, we probably started somewhere around 4,200 computers. And now we're, we're looking at like 320 and most of those 320 haven't checked in, in close to a month at this point. So, you know, but being able to, being able to leverage, you know, that that type of functionality and, you know, the big engine, we we're able to then really decrease our uh, or increase our compliance. And we're, you know, I would say of our patch compliance in general, all Microsoft criticals and all Microsoft importance, we're sitting at close to 99 percent, you know, completion across the board for the enterprise, including our BYOD devices. So you're, so, you're, so you're at 99 percent patch success. Just about, yeah, just about. You know, it, if it's not 99, it's like 98.5. You know, we're we're right there. That's that, that's fantastic. Congratulations. That's a that's a great that's a great statistic. It's been it's been some work, but it's great to get there. Yeah, yeah very nice. So so John, how is uh how is your your budget uh, holding up? And have you been asked to do any any special things to uh, to watch the dollars? Yeah, we're constantly um, asked to look at. Um, ways to save and i'm going to go back to the implementation of the gsdp uh, project that we did 
and we are we're using that for a lot of our international sites now. And again, where it saves money is instead of doing it globally, we're able to do it at the edge. Tremendous cost savings by allowing our customers to, you know, they're different type of networks, right? They're different type of systems, but we're able to manage them in a different way by allowing the tool to push the patches out, by allowing the, the customer or, you know, in this case, the M&As, the ability to manage their own. Um, so a tremendous um, cost savings. We still have the visibility, but they're able to manage it on their own. Um, the second thing is, um, I guess it was like last year when we started this process where we're, we've implemented peer-to-peer nests. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a tremendous savings for UPS. Instead of um, us buying hardware to uh, deploy, uh, you know, relays, out to those sites, those small sites, we're able to just do that through peer, uh, peer nest, and it's tremendous saving. And even at those large sites, we're able to save money and, and time and efficiency um, because when we have a large site go down, as a contingency, we use peer-to-peer. As, as everybody is aware on the call, that um, you know the contingency plan prior to that, if a relay goes down, um, all of those devices home back to our data center, uh, to the core server, to uh, to get it to get the updates. Right? Um, with peer, that you know, you only have one device comes up to the network, gets it, and then it distributes it across the network. So that's been a tremendous savings for UPS, and we want to, we definitely want to look to expand that. Okay, great. Oh, thanks for that. Good, good, good comments. So one last question, kind of, kind of lightning round. So of, all, of all the changes that um, have have been sort of thrust on you, what changes do you wish to be permanent, and what things do you wish would go back to the way they were before before the the pandemic hit? So uh, so Phil, I'll start with you. I can tell you're pondering the <laughs> pondering the question. So it's actually funny. Is this is actually. It's going to sound a bit, it's not meant to be cavalier, but frankly, I don't want to go back the way we're doing things. I think the way we're doing things now is better. So I think if, if anything, I think this has given, it's given me the power and ability to accelerate and do the things that I want to do, um, you know, because now there's impotence to do it because people have to be able to work this way. So things that have might have taken a while and needed buy-in, well, that didn't need buy-in now. So, or let's say the bar was much lower. So from my perspective, I'm, this is great. So it's giving I mean, you a chance to really do the things you wanted to do without maybe some internal resistance that you would have had. Well, the resistance is lower because cause now, um, and, and I think that other guys are sort of saying the same thing, which is, hey, you, you want people to be able to work remotely and continue to work remotely. The only way we can do that is do these following things. So now it's become a business requirement, whereas before it wasn't necessarily a business requirement. Now it is a business requirement. So it's changed the calculus, which means now all of a sudden I can do these things, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's amazing. Okay. So, so Kevin? Yeah, no, no, actually, I'm going to agree with that. I think a lot of companies at this point were having a aha moment, you know, and, oh, I guess it really does make sense what you were pushing for six months ago, a year ago. And, you know, we can't because... You know, it was too much work. We don't want to put the effort in. And I think a lot of people now are saying, oh, well, I guess that really does make sense. 
we're getting more traction with some of our um, projects and products that we're trying to push out there to make things easier and make, at least in our minds, make things better. You know, and we're getting better consolidation, you know, through some of our tools and actions. You know, I'll, I'll use ServiceNow integration as, you know, as another point where luckily Big Fix 10 has it out of the box because I was going to try to implement this on uh, in 9.5, but um, luckily it's out of the box, so much easier. But, you know, I've been trying to get some traction to have an updated CMDB, just as an example, that is going to have all of our products and everything in it. And now that 10 has that integration out of the box, I'm able to walk to our ServiceNow team and say, open up, open up the orchestrator, do what you need to do. Here's our API calls. Let's make this happen. And a lot of people now are realizing, oh, this is a good idea. And we can get actual live metrics of when computers are being used, when their last check-ins were, and we can feed that into ServiceNow. And, you know, I know BigFix has, a report, you know, its own reporting engine, which is, you know, has saved us more hours than I care to admit, but also people that don't have access there can still run live reports and look at what's current within our environments. And that's, um, you know, again, integration of services is one of those things that I think is taking off. And a lot of people are realizing we need to stop segmenting ourselves and, you know, integrating, you know, integrating our data and integrating our processes um, in a better manner. Good. That's great. You know, for our listeners who don't know, with uh, Big Fix 10, we introduced a ServiceNow CMDB integration API. So you can pull information, uh, status about uh, machine history and things like that into the CMDB uh, capability. So your the uh, response teams have more info as they as they go forward. Is that is that a fair description of how you're uh, how you guys are using it? Uh, well, not using it yet, but we're looking to. But yeah, we're actually probably going to be doing more than just even system status, and uh, but you know, pulling a lot of stuff in, and even looking at some um, even ServiceNow API integrations, uh, you know, software catalogs or whatever else that are, you know, maybe a machine is you know is managed by Big Fix, but you know, we have specialized software that needs you know, departmental sign off and particular billing information, you know, something that's not a birthright, like, you know, Microsoft Office or any connect or something like that. But, uh, you know, Visio, Visio is a great example because, you know, that's not part of the standard Microsoft product plan and, oh, hey, we need, you know, we're going to have extra billing for this. So trying to integrate something in service now, they click on that software catalog item, you know, somebody's director, they sign off and say, okay, yes, here's my billing code charge me the $10 a month or whatever it's going to cost. And the big flakes does a sign off and says, Oh, you know, there's an app on it. And, uh, and then pushes the software to the endpoint. So, you know, all things we're looking at and trying to incorporate, you know, to better manage our environments and have better integrated tools and, you know, try to make things one-stop shopping. Okay, great. Well, thanks for that. So John, uh, you, you get the last word. So, uh, any 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 changes you'd like to see go back to the, the way they were? You talked about some great changes you have made to make you know impre- increase your scale, number of relays, number of VPN connections. Anything you want to you, you you anticipate going back to? So I sort of agree with with both of these gentlemen, um, in particular Phil. Um, one thing that this has taught me is that this is, I mean, obviously with a company as large as UPS, there's barriers, right? There's silos. Um, because of this crisis, 
it broke down those barriers, right? Um, the talks or, you know, the things that it would take months to even get meetings on happen overnight. Mm. So we were able to accelerate. I think we were able to accelerate getting things done because of this. Um, so, so in a sense, it helped there. It would have took an act of Congress to get a, a circuit upgrade or even looked at if this didn't come along in some cases, right? Um, so I think it's helped there. Also, it's proved that you can do work from home with very little interruptions, right? We, we've seen very little interruptions with, uh, with going to this method. So the way, and I think UPS has adjusted nicely to that. And I think moving forward, we, we will probably adjust the way we look at things. Hmm. Okay, that, that's great. Well, I just want to say thank you all, uh, John, Kevin, Bill, for your uh, dialogue here. This has been a, a great conversation. We greatly appreciate it. The Big Fix team, uh, thanks, thanks you very much for that. And, and thanks to our listeners. Uh, but uh, we'll be signing off until next time, next month. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you found this content valuable. Remember to check the show notes if you want to see the content in its original video form. Endpoint Management Today is a brainchild of James Stewart and Rhonda Student-Kaiser. Our podcast is inexpertly edited by James and Rhonda. Original music from Dan Corcoran, Big Fix specialist and all-around renaissance man. <laughs>